Sometimes I feel... I don't know. I don't know. Buongiorno. 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 There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a bad attitude. You don't have to get a bad attitude. Attaccare! Attaccare! Hello and welcome to the Hero Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio, the season finale of the Euro show. In fact, Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan here for the final time. I mean, not for the year, because technically we'll be back once, you know, we get ready for next season. But for the 2021-22 season of the Euro show, this is it. This uh, is it. This is it. Lockie, Scotland you... and Italy are both out of the World Cup. Uh, yeah. It's time to say goodbye. That that feels like a, as good a point as any for us collectively to say to draw goodbye. a line uh, through this show for the time being. Yeah. Although we, we won't be gone from... No. I might be back on the airwaves in a, in a different guise. Oh, yes. we're A back... different program. Mm, something that, to keep your eyes on the socials in the coming days. Mm. We'll have some announcements around what the program will be. As uh, the great Barry Davies once said, interesting. Very interesting. Yes, extremely interesting. Mm. Well, he mm. didn't say that part. No, no, but no, it is extremely that, that, That's what Nick Dubano said was extremely <laughs> Quoting interesting. Quoting yourself right. now. Very yes. impressive. Taking my, myself in third person. <clears throat> Obviously, Lockie. It's been the final weekend of World Cup qualifiers um, in Europe. It's been Nations League coming back as well. And we said it last week that it could be a very sad hour mm-hmm. if a certain result didn't go in the favour of Scotland mm-hmm. last week. Said result didn't eventuate. As a result of it, uh, Scotland will not be at the World Cup they fell to a 3-1 defeat at home against Ukraine. Uh, then obviously this morning, Wales went on and shattered everyone else's hearts because I think everyone, you know, sort of took on Ukraine as their second nation and almost a team, everyone got behind them, wanted to see them be on the world stage at the World Cup in Qatar. Except about maybe three countries, including yeah, three, Wales. Yeah, we're not going to mention the other two. Uh, but essentially, Wales are going to the World Cup, but Scotland... Joining Italy in the S House uh, during Qatar, going to be watching it probably from Ibiza or from you know. Out uh, to be the fair, it, will be, it doesn't really matter where Scotland fans are. It will be very hard to watch the screen yeah. through uh, the floods of tears. Oh no, that's that is that is a good point. Maybe our Scots and Italians can link together and the, well. The thing is, do, do, do Scotland fans cry anymore? Because it's just been so long. It's such a familiar, such a familiar feeling. But you know what? No, no, no. It still does. It. It is still upsetting because I hate to use that cliche that it's the hope that kills you, but every time you do believe, and and this genuinely was the closest that had uh, that Scotland have come pretty much since they've qualified, and I think the highest that levels of belief have actually been at uh, all time, particularly because of the Euro qualification, uh, the results that uh, Scotland had been achieving under under Steve Clark, the circumstances that surrounded the game. There was a lot of optimism. And so I think this this one will actually probably hurt for Scotland mm. almost as much as any qualification miss out since 98. Like since, maybe since missing out on 2002, this might be the most painful one. Well, going back to the game, it was a bumper crowd at Hampton Park. Everyone was up and about. It was. It looked like it was going to be an absolute belter down at uh, Hampton Park and the Scottish fans are up and about before 
conceding in the first half through Andre Yarmolenko uh, put Ukraine ahead. Then Yaramchuk made it 2-0. There was a, a brief moment of reprieve when Callum McGregor put one in. And I think everyone thought at that point, it's going to get quite loud here at Hampton Park. You know, they're going to potentially will them on and maybe send this game to extra time. Mm. But in the end, Artem Dovbik in the 95th minute, in the final minutes of stoppage time. Literally the last kick of the game. Yeah. Put the result beyond doubt. Unfortunately for Scotland, as we mentioned, they are going home. Not entirely, yeah, because they're still going to play a few Nations League games in the next well, few Well, they're, they're actually going out to uh, Armenia. Yes, on Thursday morning. Yes. Um, but it is a disappointing end. I think, there, as you said, there was a lot of optimism about this could be it after at least getting to a tournament for the Euros. You know, the the amazing circumstances surround their qualification with that, in, well, not wouldn't say it's infamous, that famous penalty shootout and David Marshall's exploits between the sticks on that Cold, wet, windy night in Belgrade and in front of no fans, nonetheless. But it was still great. It was still fantastic. It was one of the, probably one of the best football moments of that COVID period. Mm. Um, but Scotland, obviously, they, they got the monkey off the back. They didn't get past the group stage of, the, of uh, obviously, in the Euros. But there were some moments in that, in that period, obviously, you know, that Scotland were part of. Unfortunately, they were on the wrong side of history. They were the team that conceded the goal against Patrick Schick. They were the team that conceded the goals against Croatia in that decider. Mm. But they can say they didn't let England beat them. Exactly. You know what? You want to know a fun fact, Nick Dubana? There I'd were only two fact. teams that England uh, did not win against yeah. in uh, the whole tournament, uh, Italy and Scotland. No, There's not another yeah. team in the Euros that can, can lay claim to that. And, no. you know, England might try and say, well, you know, we made the final. But if you're not first, Nick, you're last. You're last. Good quote and there. if Scotland are last, I'm happy to be last if it means uh, that second last didn't beat us. And hey, Scotland were the only team to keep England scoreless, I, I believe. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the only team to keep them scoreless. Yeah. So, you know what? Look, you know, it, it is disappointing that they didn't it's get the World Cup. It's funny because, because England fans make so much fun of Scotland and are in the days after missing out on the World Cup have made so much fun of Scotland saying, oh, don't worry, you'll always have your nil-nil win against England. But, like, the fact that they go out of their way to bring it up, the fact that they do make so much of a song and dance about it probably suggests to you that it it did hurt them I a think little it did. bit. It did a little yeah. bit. I mean, it was at Wembley. Yeah. There was a big crowd. There was a lot of expectation. It was, th- it, was, it was little Scotland, you know, Look, knocking off big England. I think, it did, I think it did sting. I, I think, think it as, did a little bit. As much as you don't want to admit it. Yeah, and... um. You know, it's that it's that little like just little nudge in the side. Like you know, England can say, "Oh, we still got to the final," but it's that little nudge where you didn't beat Scotland, exactly. though. Like you didn't get knocked them like off. I said, you only know? two teams: team that won it and us. Yeah, and unfortunately, um, those two teams we won't <laughs> be out of the World Cup. But you know what? At least we've got that over England. Um, but it is funny that English fans take the mick out of Scottish fans in regards to that because. It's not like England have won anything. No. It's Although not I th- like... I guess the big shame of all of this is that Scotland are now going to miss out on playing in a group that would have featured England. England. As well. It does mean we get England-Wales, though. Yes. And that will be excellent. Well, talking about Wales, they did beat Ukraine 1-0 this morning. I love the scenes after the game with all the fans sticking around, you know, applauding the Ukrainian national team. Uh, heartbreaking way to lose. An own goal, uh, Gareth Bale's long-range effort, deflected into the back of the net. Um, Wales going to the World Cup, 
I mean, cool. It's their first World Cup, I think, in over 50 years. But at the same time, they just feel like they've spoiled what would have been a great story had Ukraine got there. Yeah. You know, because we would have been able to, you know, it, it is that subtle reminder if they would gotten there on a world stage about what's going on in Ukraine as well. Because it does feel like since obviously Russia has invaded that it's starting to obviously, fa- not I wouldn't say fade into obscurity, but we're, we're almost forgetting about it a little bit. It's become just sort of part of the, the everyday news cycle. It's not like, you know, how it was that time where it was sort of magnified in our faces all the time. It just would have been that subtle reminder. And this morning was that because it just gave that reminder that these guys were playing for a nation that has been invaded, a nation that is currently under siege, and, you know, mm. would have been able to represent all those people on the world stage. And unfortunately, um, you know, look, Wales, obviously, credit to them for getting through. But it's just a shame we won't see Ukraine there. It really is. Yeah, and I think especially, in in a way, especially at Qatar of all World Cups as well, because it will be, whether people like it or not, it will be a World Cup where issues of social justice and inequality will be at the forefront. They mm. won't necessarily be at the forefront of um, of every person's discourse when it comes to the Qatar World Cup, but there certainly will be uh, dialogue and discourse mm. from significant media outlets talking about the not-so-good elements of the Qatari World Cup. Um, I'm sure Guardian Football Weekly will be focusing <laughs> on that very, very regularly. Yeah. Um, and so in an environment where that sort of sense of social justice and needing to address those things is heightened, uh, to also have Ukraine there and for them to be at the forefront and getting attention and eyeballs on what is uh, a very um, serious issue would, yeah, it would have been really, really good. But even beyond that, it would have just been great for the the people of Ukraine to be mm. able to watch it. I mean, I was uh, I saw a, saw a, a tweet or something online that... Basically, it was an interview with, um, I think, Taras Stepanenko. No, it was uh, Ruslan uh, Malinowski yeah. at the end of the game where he said at full time after the win against Scotland, you know, he got a message from a, you know, a, a friend of his who was a, a, a soldier in Ukraine at the moment and texted him basically saying how much that meant for them to be able to see them and now to, to go on and, and win this mm-hmm. one final game. Uh, obviously, they weren't able to do that, but that gives you a sign of how significant uh, a source of hope and resilience that it would have been. And so the fact that they aren't able, um, haven't been able to get that is, is, a, is a shame. On the other hand, I mean, it, narratives, it is also a sliding scale. I mean, for Wales, mm. you know, it, it sucks for them to, to have the sort of advent of their World Cup qualification tainted somewhat by who it is they've had to knock out in the process. But also for Wales to make their first World Cup since I think it's 1964, I think. I think so. I'm going to have to double check, but it has been an awful long time for Mm. them. Uh, To do that in front of a heap of Welsh fans. Sorry, it's in 64 years, not 1964. It's the first World Cups in 64 years. For them to do that is still a a remarkable, remarkable narrative and a remarkable thing for the Welsh fans who were absolutely up and about for that game and, as you said, stayed around afterwards. Yeah, it's it's unlucky for Ukraine the way that they conceded the goal, but then it's also fortunate for, for the people of Wales that Gareth Bale got that and that he's yeah. got them there to this yeah. World Cup, which is a remarkable achievement. The really. two people that I'm really – the two Welsh people in particular, I'm, the three Welsh people I'm very happy for in particular, 
Gareth Bale getting his an opportunity to play the World Cup before he retires because this probably will be his last chance. Maybe if he's still playing, if he's not on the PGA Tour by the time the American World Cup rolls around. Um, this will be a chance for him. Obviously, he's been at two Euros with Wales. He had that run in 2016. But now he gets one last chance mm. at, on the world stage. Um, and I'm very happy as well for Aaron Ramsey. He gets this opportunity as a player. I, have I just, just hope said, he's not near the penalties. Yes, absolutely. Let's hope that uh, he's they don't get to that situation and he has to take a spot kick. But the third person I am very happy for, Lockie, is the bootlegger. Uh, the boot, the bootlegger... <laughs> Would be. I still think he's partying right now. It's yeah. it's been about twelve hours since the game. Wherever you are, bootlegger, I would love to know what he's doing because I get this feeling that the game ended around four a.m. this morning, so it's been fourteen hours or so. I reckon he has been going hard on the town, and uh, I hope he's having an absolute belter of a night right now. And uh, so good luck to him. It's good to see Wales in there. They're in the World Cup. Uh, they're in the same group as England, the US, and I forget who the third team is. Mystery team. Mystery team. Mystery team. Uh, you're, while have... you're going to research that, I'm going to say, what makes this, an, I think, an even bigger shame for Ukraine beyond the off-pitch elements is actually on the pitch. Mm. It would have been, as we were sort of talking about... Iran. Last Iran. Ah, uh, yes, of <laughs> course. Um as we were talking about last week, it would have been very, very easy for this side. A lot of the players in this Ukraine squad have not played competitively in five months because of uh, the war and because of the Ukrainian league not being able to, to play football. It would have been so easy for in either of these games for them to, to gas out and eventually sort of tire and fall over because you can train really intensely for those five months with the sole focus mm. of winning two two games back to back but competitive football is competitive football mm. you can train as much as you like for it but nothing can really mimic um quite that same level in the scotland game they completely completely outplayed um scotland there's an argument to suggest that scotland were sort of uh, the architects of their own downfall in that game the way they sort of bypassed midfield and pretty much just ceded control uh of the the mid third of the park to ukraine which is Probably Ukraine's biggest string. Not a great, yeah. not in my view, not a, a great, great idea. And maybe we can talk more about where it all went wrong for Scotland. But they were also really, <clears throat> really in this game against Wales as uh, as well. I mean, that they gave as good as they got. I mean, just another look over the stat sheet. It was twenty two shots to ten, an xG of of two and a half versus point seven yeah. for Wales. Like they were more than worthy on the balance of play of winning this mm. game. And the only thing that stopped them is a deflected free kick. It would have been so... Uh, and after having smashed the first game against Scotland, it would have been easy for them with the short turnaround to be knackered for this game, mm. to fall over and for Wales with the might of their home crowd behind them to just breeze by them. But they didn't. They gave as good as they got, arguably better in both of these games. And so that's, I think, another really big shame of this is because mm. I think... From an off-field perspective, it would have been great to have them at Qatar. But also on the pitch, they, this is a really good, good team. team yeah. And I think against an England, against a US and uh, Iran group, I actually think they could have gone through. I no, genuinely no, think they could have no, gone no, through. No, that, that is a good point. I think we forget they were quarterfinals so the Euros lucky. Yeah, and it's they a shame for the team. and it's a shame as well for the 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 players, uh, not just in the domestic leagues, but the. Players overseas as well, the real the stars of the side yeah. that it must have felt 
uh, an unbearable weight upon their shoulders for being away from their home country uh, while things were going on. You know, your Ole- Alexander Zinchenko's, your Andrei Yarmolenko's, those kind yeah, of players. Lolowski. The pressure on those guys would have been immeasurable, mm. immeasurable. And so that would have meant, I think, even more to them. And again, it was those players who stood up. Yarmolenko scores in the first leg. Zinchenko, outstanding in the Scotland game. Very solid again in the Wales game. Um, for those players to, to have to suffer this... Um, yeah, just it, it. It look, it does. You're right. It does. It sucks. As good as it is for Wales, yeah, you have to acknowledge. Um, it is also just terrible on and off the pitch for for Ukraine because they they deserve to go through yeah. for so many reasons. But look, we can still be happy for Wales. Yeah, I think we can. We can. But you know, yeah, you know, they were the third team we wanted. To I think. Get. I think. I think people the have third, captured yeah. the the confliction of it yeah. all. Yeah, I like it. You know, I was thinking about before, like. <clears throat> You know, I feel for, like, the Scots and the Welsh fans, especially for yourself, you were saying how conflicted you felt, um, you know, I guess before that game thinking, like, oh, you know, like, <clears throat> it's a big game, but, you know, obviously it's a lot in the line for us, but, geez, it feels so bad almost beating down on the Ukraine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you would feel that sense of, like, yeah, like you would feel bad to an extent. But nonetheless, the result's done. Wales are through. Um, let's talk a little bit of Nations League, Lockie, because we're going to do... <laughs> Sorry, before we so, do, yeah. I just have to mention, so shout out to uh, someone who is watching on the stream right now, uh, someone who had the, the pleasure of uh, being on the uh, Football at West show with last night, Craig Filer. I have, <laughs> not only is he watching Are on the... Are texts from Craig Filer? No, not only is he watching on the stream, and as uh, I left a few comments to say uh, Scotland are in the World Cup finals, no, wait, no, they're not, uh, Wales are in, uh... Craig, who sorry, who has my number, has now texted me uh, nearly twenty times just the word Wales. So I am glad to see that Craig, uh, who is our sort of resident Welsh football fan in Victoria, who I know was up at two in the morning watching this game, and uh, was celebrating just as much as anyone in his own country, is uh, very very pleased about this one. So if you've got any questions about Welsh football, if you want to know more, uh, go to Craig Filer. Go to Craig Filer, and uh, make should sure we give you, out his number sure on you, that You've got I, it there. I know, no, I won't do that. But I know he'll be away for this week's edition of the Football Out West show. But in uh, upcoming weeks, make sure you tune in to get uh, Craig's reaction to the World Cup qualification. Uh, I'll let him sleep now because I'm yeah, sure he I was is knackered. Say, having, well, not, he, yeah. having been awake since two in the morning, I'll let I, him go to bed. But I, Craig, thank you for your contribution. And uh, look, I wish I could be saying it was my home nation um, taking your place, but the enemy of my enemy is my friend. is my friend. And so Wales are my big friends at the Qatar World Cup. I hope you beat England very soundly, uh, and I hope you enjoy it, Craig. Yeah, we're we're basically going. I'll be for supporting anyone, with you. Anyone that plays against England. Essentially, oh, this sounds like a such a blind anti- spot on this podcast. Such, a, such, a, such an anti-England podcast, but you know, Lockie, we know a lot of English fans, and we've we've copped our heat. Look, I gave it out after the Euro final last year. Don't you worry, but I've copped a lot of heat from our resident English supporter, Mister Joey Lynch. So I need well. this sense of yes, well, and I hope that they say goodbye in the group stage as well, because it is becoming. 
quite nauseating. So hence why I had a bit of a chuckle yesterday. But I don't I see. Saw... Uh, look, I don't see any, any reason yeah. why Wales hey, couldn't get into that group and get a result against. Yeah, England, no, actually. for sure, for sure. I agree. I still think even Iran and the USA are capable of getting a result against England. Iran are not a bad team, no, it's Lockie. True. Iran and and the USA, team. mate, they play with pride. They play with freedom. Like, who knows what, what could happen? Hey, 2010, was it a draw? Yeah. Yeah? Controversial draw. If we're going to run it back, I mean, why not? Like, you know, just chuck big Christian Pulisic up top. That'll be yeah. right. But look, I think I think Wales could yeah. um I think Wales could upset you in the same way that I praised Ukraine. I think Wales are capable of progressing out of the group as well. Let's talk Nations League, and we'll start with England, because they lost against Hungary. I am not hungry. And uh, I was hungry before the game. But look, uh, i got to say, it's a bad loss for England. I know the Nations League are glorified for England. It's a bad loss. But you don't want to lose against Hungary. And look, I, I honestly, there's a bit of an irk with Hungary as well, is why are they still playing these games? Well, why isn't UEFA come down harder on, on Hungary with their fan response and racist fans, homophobic fans we've seen over time and all these separate incidents? Like, the England-Italy game is being played behind closed doors this week uh, because of what happened in the Euro final with the stampede and everything like that and people running through and all the yeah. violence. But when are we going to see a similar response with, with Hungary? I know this has been an issue with them that goes way beyond just the Football Federation but goes right to the top. But come on, there needs to be some sort of response to this. Like this is getting beyond, you know, like this is getting beyond just a one-time isolated incident. It's becoming almost, and I hate to say it, a bit of a trend. No, I I absolutely agree. Um, but uh, I'm going to be very, very on brand mm. and um, be quite cynical about all of this. But yes, Hungary should absolutely be punished for their yes. off-field transgressions. However, we are heading to a country at the end of this year yes, for a World yeah, Cup know, in I a know. place where homosexuality is banned. Mm. So, look, I agree. You are right, Nick, mm-hmm. that Hungary fans should be punished yeah. for their issues with very mm. similar, similar things. But look at the bar that FIFA and these global footballing bodies. And I don't want to be a downer, but this is just the bare fairest reality. No, it is, it's it. facts. Look at the bar that yeah, world yeah, football yeah. have set for these sort of things. They have clearly shown that there are certain elements, financial elements, that matter far more to them than the day-to-day goings-on of the average person and their rights. And so if you're not going to do anything to a place that holds the World Cup, then of course you're not going to adequately punish uh, um, the behaviour of... Hungarian fans for for their views no, for on these sure. kind of things. So yes, they should be punished. Unfortunately, money speaks, and but, for FIFA and UEFA, that's all it seems like that they care about in yeah. those moments. But it's it's just disappointing. It's, it's a shame. Really as, disappointing it's a shame as well because we know? should be talking about what is a great upset win for Hungary mm. and the fact that they do have a pretty good team. Like there's a good a good spine there with yeah. with Peter Galashi with Willy Orban playing in the the central in the central defense Dominic as well and Adam Shalai. I mean I'm biased yeah. because he has that uh, that Schalke connection. But like there's good players there. There's a good spine mm. of a team that should be the focus of this nation. It shouldn't be about what's going on off the pitch. Mm. And it's a shame that it increasingly uh has to be Unfortunately, that's the case. But for England, just in terms of the loss, that's a bad loss. Yeah, it is. Like, like, like let's let's not 
beat around the bush here. England beat Hungary not long ago in the same venue, 4 0, yeah, back they in September. Them. They absolutely pumped them. And then they come here and they, they lost 1 0. I know that, you know, they didn't play entirely a full strength team, but there's enough quality on the pitch there to suggest that they still should have won this game. You're still rolling out with Pickford, Walker, Cody, Maguire. Uh, Justin Reese, uh, Reese Rice, <laughs> um, uh, Jude Bellingham, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Mason Mount, Harry Kane, Jared Bowen in that starting eleven, and you're bringing on the likes of Grealish and Bakaya Saka, Reese James, John Stones, Kevin Phillips. You still have Sterling and Tammy Abraham on the bench. There's enough quality in this team to beat Hungary, and I don't want to hear otherwise. Um, it's it's not a good it's not a good performance from England. You yeah. know, I know that it's a tough place to go to in Budapest. I know there's all those other factors, but this is now the period where you want to be tuning up, getting ready for the World Cup, finding out, you know, what sort of team they've got out there. and what You don't want to be losing 1-0 to Hungary. No, you don't want to be losing yeah. to a team that you should be beating. This is no disrespect to Hungary. As you said, there's a lot of quality in this Hungary team. But a team that has aspirations to win the World Cup shouldn't be losing a game like that. I know it sounds blunt, but we'll see what sort of response they, they give out on Wednesday when they play Germany away. But it's a bit, bit of a disappointing performance. Um, so I, I think that's probably one of the, the sort of the one standouts from this weekend. The other one for me was Denmark 2, France 1. Denmark going to, uh, they played the game in putty, won the game 2-1. They uh, they came back from a goal down. Karim Benzema gave him the lead. Then Andreas Cornelius. Oh, wow, we were. With a, a double name. off the bench coming on for Kasper Dolberg with half an hour to go. Scoring a double, getting the win for Denmark. That is sensational. Like, is. Denmark are really flexing right now, and they're playing some beautiful football. To go to Paris and win, that is not easy. And they only had eight shots to, Par- to France's 19. I must call them Paris. Um, but that is against basically a full, almost, we probably say it's about full strength French team. That's a very solid result. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that. Denmark are a team that are quite well suited to playing against mm-hmm. France because they're, they're very, um, particularly through the midfield, you know, the, the pairing of, of um, Pierre-Emile Hoiberg and Thomas Delaney. The two like, destroyers. Like that's a really, yeah. really physical, combative pairing. Is there a little bit of a, maybe a, a lack of creation in that midfield duo? Yeah, that's a fair comment. But then I guess you've got, you've got, uh, Christian Eriksen further ahead who can do that. I'd love to see a little bit more balance there. But it makes them a very physical, uh, hard-to-break-down team yeah. and very direct uh, in transition. And so you can, and France have shown, that they can be beaten at their own game because for the, all the might of France, for the quality they have in their midfield, they play a pretty... Um, pretty average. They, they play yeah, a pretty, pretty counter-attacking average, yeah, yeah. brand of football under Didier Deschamps and they have since before they they won the World Cup. Um, it's always been the case. It's just weight of numbers, quality of their players that's usually carried them over the line. Yeah. But they have shown uh, teams can beat them at their own game. And Denmark, I think, are, are one of those teams that are, are well-suited to, to frustrating a team like France. Well, I think France will always be uh, playing with a, a handbrake or a hindrance as long as Didier Deschamps is also in charge. just feels like... As much as he won the World Cup with them, he's never really been able to get the best out of this unit. Like, he makes some questionable decisions. It's not like he put a bad lineup out there, though, against Denmark. It's just Denmark were better on the day. Uh, the other one as well, Netherlands 4, Belgium 1. Now, this was played in Brussels as well. 
lot of questions now starting to seep in about Roberto Martinez's tenure as Belgium coach. He's been there now for a while. Um, the golden generation of, of Belgium is is coming to an end. Let's be real right here. Yes. They're still rolling out with Simon Mignolet between the sticks, Jan Vertonghen, Toby Alderweireld, uh, Axel Witzel, you know, Eden Hazard still starting, even though he's barely seen any minutes this season for Real Madrid. Dries Merton still sees 45 minutes. Michy Bashwai came off the bench and scored. This team has seemed like it's hit, I don't want to say entirely a brick wall, but they're on the other side of the hill now. They're on the downhill slope. It does feel like that if they don't get their proverbial together in Qatar, this is it. Like, they're not going to have another chance at winning a World Cup because, like, in terms of the players coming through from Belgium, the there's only a couple that really, like, suggest to me they're going to be at that same level of that golden generation, if if at all get close to them. Mm. Uh, there's a couple that were on the bench. Um, they've got uh, young Charles De... I always get this one wrong. De Ketalare plays for Club Bruges. He's actually a player linked with AC Milan at the moment. Very, very talented player. You know, Yuri Tillemans has shown signs. No, genuinely, like, I'm not just not saying just, that. Just, like, no, 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 no. He's actually a really yeah. talented player. Um, I do like Timothy Castagne. Um, I'm also f- a fan of, you know, as well, of course, of Alexis Salamakers. But Alexis Salamakers is not the same level as some of these other guys coming through. It does kind of feel like that this the end is nigh for Belgium. And unfortunately, I think for Roberto Martinez, he doesn't get it right by the end of this World Cup. I think he's going to be following out, out the door too. Well, <laughs> that was unintentional. Uh, do you remember, Nick, at the start of the Euros last year, uh, Belgium were going in to the competition as the number one ranked FIFA nation? Yeah, I And do people that. thought that because they were the number one FIFA ranked nation, that must preordain them to be a good team. So, I'm sorry, but I, I have been saying this ever since the 2018 World Cup when... Roberto Martinez flattered to deceive, scraped by uh, Japan in in the uh, I think it was the quarters. Uh, uh, Might have been round the round of sixteen. 16. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, since they scraped by Japan in extra time in the round of sixteen, Roberto Martinez is not it. He is not at the level of being Belgium's international manager and delivering the kind of results that at the time arguably Belgium deserved at the 2018 yeah. World Cup. Um, maybe to a lesser extent in 2021, but they were still in, they still could have been in the conversation. But I just don't think this is a manager who is up to the level mm. of being a manager of a nation of this quality. Like, I know he's done it for a while now, but I just don't think... When has he ever actually delivered the results that, as Belgium manager, before you bring up Wigan, when has he ever <laughs> actually delivered the results... That Belgium fans have wanted. Can, just, can you, just steamrolling through qualifiers. And, other, that's it. and, that's and it. some yeah, positive that, yeah. performances in in the Nations League. Yeah. Who can, like who cares? I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry. And I know we've talked about the Nations League. Like we're talking about it right now. But it like it. Who cares? Yeah. I, I'm I know, sorry. It pales in comparison to the importance of the Euros. It pales in comparison to the importance of the World Cup. Where let's face it, Belgium on both occasions have undershot the expectations that have been set for them. I. Yes, it's great that you're having the conversation about Roberto Martinez being the manager now. Why have we not been talking about this for years? 
Why? I don't I understand. I think there's always been a conversation, Lockie. Why has it not been more fervent? Like it's because everyone thought they'd give him, give him time because he got close and it was like, oh, they just need to get that one step over, you know? Like, but... But the when, like, when really is too late, though, because, you, because, hey, hey, because he, you're losing you've this generation of incredible yeah. Belgian players. And, yes, the, it's sort of a, there's a solid foundation there. They will still be a prominent international side for years to come. But it's gone. No, no, it's gone. I get that. I get that And entirely. they've let it slide by with a manager who hasn't been up to the level of delivering what's been asked. Look, I don't get it. I don't took, get it. He took over, I think it was from Mark Overmars after Euro 2016. So that was after he spent time at Everton. And, yeah, so he's been in charge now for six years. Um, obviously, he's had two major tournaments. This will be his third. In 2018, he got to the semis. They pushed it, but they were, as you said, they were very lucky to get there in the end. I think the red flags really – I think that was kind of like, all right, we're close – we probably have maybe one or two more chances. Let's give him a bit more time. 2020 came around. I don't know if how different it would have been in 20 if the Euros were in 2020 to 2021. I don't really want to make that excuse because I still think that there was enough quality in that team to go far. They got to the quarters and they got, I mean, they got systematically smashed by Italy. It's, they were the only team Italy smashed really after... The group stage of the of the Euros, mm-hmm. Italy had a tough time against Austria, against Spain, and England, and they they absolutely they absolutely pounded yeah. them. But the problem and, is, yeah, no, no, look, yeah, go yeah, for but it. the thing is now what we're starting to see is there's been no response after that. Things are only just starting to get worse, and this is also not only a byproduct of Roberto Martinez's bad coaching, because one thing I can tell you about Roberto Martinez is Roberto Martinez is a fantastic man manager. He has some very sort of set tactical in his tactical way. He's been like that ever since he was coaching Wigan over a decade ago. He's always had problems setting up defensively. It's been a problem of his. It's always attack, 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 and his teams get caught out. When I remember pulling my hair out, seeing the amount of goals Wigan used to ship with him in charge. He was the one that shipped nine against Tottenham, for God's sake. The reason we got relegated in the first place was because of that, because of the amount of goals we were shipping with a pretty decent defense. But, The issue is then again, this is, I think, a compounded issue with it because this also goes out, it becomes out of Martinez's control. When a lot of your stars aren't playing regularly at club football and they're getting older and you don't literally have the same cattle ready to go that you've completely, this is also on him too, because they've completely neglected the extra cattle because there was all that focus on, I mean, look how many caps these guys have played. Like there are guys like De Bruyne and Hazard who have over almost 150 caps for them because they just have to, they just picked the same 23, the 23 almost selected itself for six years. Right. So there's a whole generation of Belgian players that have been neglected. I don't know too much about what the Belgian football ecosystem is in terms of their youth development. If they've got similar problems to like what we have here, but They've been so reliant on a set core. And if the core don't start, don't keep playing, when Eden Hazard makes that, you know, has that incredible fall from grace. Uh, you know, uh, Dries Mertens gets older. Axel Witzel gets older. Their defense, their center backs, which has been the weak point for them. You know, Jan Vertonghen, Toby Alderweireld were some of the best center backs in the world at, at some stage. Even Thomas Vermaelen was a handy center back. They're getting on now. So, yeah. but it's like, so who's the next generation? Like, where's it going to come from? And to be honest, you say they're going to be a solid nation, Lockie. And look, they probably will keep making the World Cup when it expands and 
They'll be thereabouts because there's enough quality still there, at least for the next little next cycle. But after that, I do have my concerns about where it's going to come from next. They have some decent kids. You know, I like Jeremy Doku. I like Decatellery. Deca I like Yuri Tillemans. I like those players. But still, it's, it's a big drop-off if they don't, you know, reach that mm. same level as Kevin De Bruyne, Romelu Lukaku, uh, you know, uh, Eden Hazard, for instance. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. And I, But I still think that there's enough quality right now that they should at least be getting to past the group stage of the World Cup and at least pushing it because this is the last chance. Martinez doesn't succeed now. I don't think he's going to be there for the next cycle. I, I genuinely don't think either yeah, way he's I mean, going to be there. Yes, I don't think he should have been there. shouldn't be there to begin with. But that's the thing. It's like it's too late now. You ha- you have, you unless you're going to do something really, really They're drastic, not do which I don't now, think no. is going to happen, it's too late. We're too close to the World Cup to, to try and to try and change course and try and really send a shockwave through these Belgian players. Another good example, um, based on what you're saying, Nick, is remember when Leander Dendonka was, like, seen as the next like, big, thing. big thing? He was a yeah. massive, massive, a prodigious young talent playing alongside uh, Tillemans at, at Anderlecht. He's 27 now. Yeah. He's 27. Yeah. But he's played... 30-plus games in the mm-hmm. last three seasons since he's come across from Wolves. And he's playing second fiddle to Dedrick Boyata, who is playing on and off for a Hertha side who were in the relegation playoffs mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I've seen Dedrick Boyata play for Celtic yep. uh, in the past. I've seen him play for Hertha as well. I just He is not up to the level. And you can't tell me why um, someone like Dendonka at least for this game, is is stuck behind him. It makes no sense. You know, like, Eden Hazard's still seeing minutes. I know it's Eden Hazard. I know he's arguably, he's the captain of the team. I know he's still one of the best, probably the best, well, along with Kevin De Bruyne, probably one of the best players to ever come out of this nation. But the fact that he's still seeing minutes after a season where he barely got off the park for Real Madrid, a bit off the bench, got on the park for Real Madrid, that for me is an issue. When you've got kids... Like, as I mentioned about Decatalleri, like, he's played a full season for Club Bruges. He has big offers on the table, not just from Milan, but from other big clubs around Europe. Like, when are we going to see the next wave come through? They're still relying on Michy Bashwai. I know he scored 14 goals for Besiktas this season, but who's next? They're going to bring Christian Bentake back in now as well. Lukaku's had a shocker this season. I know he's still Romelu Lukaku. But, like, where's the next lot? Yeah. There's a lot but also of for those players who are there, where's them like beyond just the playing for your country thing? Where's the motivation? Because you know, you know you're still going to be there. You know you're not mm. going to lose your spot. You know Roberto's not going to not make any changes, you, yeah. and he's not going to go anywhere. So like, the message just can't be having the same mm. level of cut through, giving them the same level of of push and and drive. Yeah. But like, and somehow, despite all of this, my the biggest thing I'm pissed off with about all of this is not Roberto Martinez, is not the, the Belgian FA. It's the FIFA rankings. Yeah, I know. Because this was FIFA number two playing against FIFA number 10. Guess who the FIFA number two was, Nick? Belgium. The team who got spanked yeah. 4-1. Yeah. It's ludicrous. It is ludicrous. And the fact that Belgium being in number one for such a long time on the FIFA rankings uh, fooled people into thinking that they would be a good nation at the tournaments mm-hmm. that they've gone to annoys me. Really annoys me. I know, really I can annoys tell. me. FIFA rankings, 
Sort yourselves get, out. Get your Put proverbial Scotland together. higher. <laughs> Sorry, that slipped out. That Look, I shouldn't have said let's that. move on. We've got a running out of time here. Uh, quickly, Italy, Germany, 1-1 on the weekend. Now, talking about ushering in the next generation. Good stuff to come out of this game, though. I, there were all, I was After the loss against Argentina, I was a bit downtrodden. I thought, you know what, like, this is not looking good. What was but it called again? Le, the Finalissima? La, la Finalissima, oh. yeah. The winners of the Coppa Italia. Played at the, Wembley. Yeah, the Coppa Italia. Uh. Oh, I hate The it. winners Sorry. of the Euros and the Copa America. Copa Italia. What am I talking about? Uh, played anyways. It, played, it, played at Wembley. Played at Wembley. I know. Why couldn't they just Vomit. bomb at the Olympic or, or something like Sorry. that? But anyways, the one thing I loved out of this game, and I've spoken to a lot of different Italian fans about this, is the fact that Roberto Mancini is finally turning to the next generation. He's finally binned some of his favorites. He's looking at, he's cast the net far and wide, and he handed six debuts. Six. Now, not all of them started. Uh, you know, Fratesi was the only one who started out of the six. But there were a lot of players who got a, a good opportunity in the team. I mean, Alessandro Bastoni should have been starting for Italy going way back ahead of Giorgio Chiellini. Uh, Sandro Tonali started, Gianluca Scamacca, Matteo Politano and Pellegrini are now a bit older. But they got an opportunity, which I think, considering Italy aren't playing for anything right now, in that before the qualifiers for the Euros start and these Nations League games and friendlies, you just got to see who you got. And the best thing he did, the five guys who came on are all players who have had great seasons, whether it's in Serie A or in the case of this young fella o- over in Switzerland. Um, we've all seen how they've, we've, they've all been rewarded for that, for that good season, been given an opportunity. So if you didn't see yesterday... Italy have found a diamond in the rough. And to be honest, I didn't know about him, Lockie. I saw his name and I'm like, this is interesting. I, I haven't heard of this kid before. And I went on, uh, when I saw his name, I did a bit of digging. I'm like, geez, is that a pretty good season for Zurich? Uh, Wilfred Nonto, uh, eight goals this season in the Swiss League, 18 years old, was a former Inter Milan youth player um, this season and then was released in 2020 by Inter's youth team, picked up by Zurich. He's played the last couple seasons there. He's really made inroads this year. Got selected. Within minutes, two minutes at all it took, put in a beautiful cross to Lorenzo Pellegrini. Got the equaliser in the end. Obviously, it was Kimmich scored the goal and gave Germany a point in the end. But not just him. Seeing debuts for Federico Di Marco, Tommaso Pobega, uh, Matteo Cancellieri, and as well, uh, Samuele Ricci, who have all had great seasons at their respective clubs. And this is not players playing for the top teams per se. Some of them are actually owned. Well, in the case of Di Marco and Pobega to an extent, Di Marco obviously being second fiddle at Inter. He saw a lot of minutes this season. But Pobega on loan from Milan at Torino got his opportunity. Ricci this season as well got his opportunity on loan from from actually, um, I believe he was at, so he was at Torino and he spent some time at Empoli as well, got his opportunity there. Uh, Cancellieri at Hellas Verona as well got his opportunity. He only played 12 games this season, but he was so good in those 12 games that he got a chance. And as well, um, well, they, they, they were the five. So, And there mm. were a few others on the bench we didn't see. But that's what I like because right now we need to see what we got. Yeah. and I, Actually, yeah. in that same vein, question for you, Nick. Obviously, uh, as much as I hate the concept, uh, Finalissima was Giorgio Chiellini's last yes. game. yeah. Of course, and so that meant that uh, in this fixture, uh, Acerbi started alongside uh, 
Alessandro Bastoni as um, as the the Serie A English commentator. I can't remember his name, but always says his yeah. name Bastoni. He yeah. always says it so yeah. well. I started alongside Alessandro Bastoni. Um, who looms and sticks out at you <laughs> as the sort of? I don't think successor uh, is the right word because you can't really step into the shoes of Giorgio Chiellini. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But who? It does seem like, because I know you have, and this is probably the reason why you're sort of clawing at your own face, I know you don't have huge raps on Bastoni particularly. No, 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 no not Bastoni. Achebe. Bastoni is like the, the only one we've got. <laughs> Achebe's the issue. Ah. Achebe has had a shocking season. Bastoni, okay. Bastoni's a baller. Okay, okay. That, that, that's not like Bastoni's the successor to Chiellini, but it's the, it's the others. It's the who goes alongside him. Because question. Bonucci's not getting any younger. Achebe's... Yeah. 34, uh, Bonucci's 34, uh, Gianluca Mancini has not progressed at all, Romagnoli's not playing, and he's also when, a left-sided centre-back. Remember when Daniele Rugani was a thing? He hasn't progressed, he's probably going to yeah. get selected by default. Italy have got a real big problem in their yeah. centre-backs, and that for me concerns me the most. Luis Felipe has been na- uh, naturalised, he was on the bench, again he's 27 though, he's, but he's not the, the magic elixir either. There aren't many. You know, not, you know, it's funny. He's not bad, but like him and Bastoni, it's not a colossal no, pairing in the same Bonucci, way Bonucci and Chiellini. It's not the like, days that of... Is. It's not the, this is the thing. We're heading into this... Like, we've Italy's had this tendency to never worry about centre-backs. I mean, we've gone from Nesta, Nesta and Maldini and Cannavaro to... Mm. Uh, it literally BBC, hasn't been a problem for the, such a long time. The BBC time. back three to this. Also, I didn't mean to disrespect... Uh, Disrespect Alessandro Bastoni. You know who I was thinking of who I know you don't like? It's, uh, it's uh, Gagliardini. That's who I thought. I just somehow got those two into players. If you, if you dare say Gagliardini, he's yeah, no, I got. I just got the two into players yes. who can no, play centre-back mixed up in my head. But, yeah, no, Bastoni, Look, not the same person. I, I think they – well, Luis Felipe is actually 25. Sorry about that. So he will – I think that we will see an opportunity for him. There's a couple others, like there's a one on loan from Atalanta called Andrea Lovato, who I think has a lot of ability. Um, I'd like to see. He's picked um, a young 18-year-old called Giorgio Scalvini, who's also at Atalanta. He saw a lot of minutes at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. He's got some potential. He's also picked Federico Gatti, who's owned by Juventus. He's a centre-back that was playing Serie B for Frosinone last season. Huge raps on him, though. Like, there are massive raps on this kid. Um, he came from, like, playing essentially... Before he signed for Frosinone last season, because he got signed by Juve at the start and got loaned back, he was playing amateur football, basically right. like fourth division Italian football, third got division. The, uh, the Messias yeah, career trajectory. basically, <laughs> and he's come from nowhere. Federico Gatti, which translates to cats, uh, got his opportunity, well, probably will see an opportunity. So a lot of this is hinging on, you know, relying on those kids to come through and start playing. There's another yeah. one as well. Matteo Gabbia at Milan needs to get some minutes. Yes. I think he needs to go out on I loan agree. and get some minutes like ASAP. But this also presents an opportunity for Romagnoli. If Romagnoli can go out, find a new club, which he will, if he goes to Lazio, great. Gets minutes, finds form, he's straight back in. Yeah. But the issue is it's two left-sided centre-backs. But still, his best. He's one of the best. His in best the is incredible. Oh, yeah. Problem is we haven't seen his best for over a, like a couple of seasons now. Yeah, yeah, for over a season now. I've only got one other name for you. Yeah, I noticed that uh, Mattia Caldara has played 
31 games, of course, in, in a relegated Venezia side. But desperate times, Nick. Desperate well, I times. think he'll be playing set a bet next season. So I, I don't know. Look, I <laughs> I'm I, only joking. I, I, I wish like, Mat- uh, I wish Mattia Caldata came good. He I, was he, oh, he was the great white hope. Exactly, that's the exact phrase yeah. I was going to use, and that's but, why I brought him up. Just but to look, tricky. The one thing just before we we wrap up that I love that Italy well that Italy need to start doing as well is they really need to start moving along certain individuals. Um, there were a few that started, like, I still don't think Florenzi should be starting. He's not even the starting right back for Milan. Like, yeah. the reason that Calabria is not starting or Di Lorenzo, um, especially Calabria. Calabria for me is colossal. You yeah. know how much I love Davide Calabria. I'd die for that guy. Like, I want to see him doing some some good stuff. Um, you know, Spinazzola's working his way back at left back. That's fine. But it's good to see, I think, that Italy's starting to move away from Jorginho. I think that, especially against Argentina, he had a stinker. Defensively now, he gets worked out way too easily for his laps of concentration, his lack of defensive work rate. Um, we saw it in that game against Macedonia when he was at fault for the goal. It's time to usher in Tonali, Locatelli, because um, that, that is where Italy have a lot of depth, is in centre mid. Like those central yeah. midfield positions, Italy have an, an, a surplus of players they can play through there. And, and as well up top, like other than like sort of in the wide areas they do, but... If Skamaka doesn't come good, Lockie, we're screwed. So there's no, no, a lot no, no. of there's a lot of hope on Gianluca Skamaka. So, uh, but he's got to keep playing because Immobile. See you later. Belotti can be a backup option, but that guy right there. What about Jao Pedro? No. He's t- he's t- he's Look, t- to be honest, the other one I'd like to see recalled, and I know this is going against me not saying Jao Pedro is Balotelli, because he had a bloody good season. And Italy don't have many options. I mean, options. Italy have shown from this window that they've they've caught up from maybe more obscure locations. I mean, if they can call call someone up from Switzerland. You can do the same thing uh, from Turkey. I would say. Yeah. I just want to give a shout out as well. Uh, I know that he didn't play at all mm. in the game, and he's probably he's definitely going to be I second. Think I, I think I know who second choice say. is uh, maybe even third choice. Uh, Alessio Caragno. Yes, good. To, no, he's actually a great goalkeeper. Yeah, no, really genuinely, had, yeah. I'm glad to see that he is finally being recognized yeah. for um multiple seasons of, of pretty solid play, You know, I, I want I want to see him play in these games like I genuinely because Donald Rum has had a shocking season. Like yes, I'm being no, genuine, like I I he's had a bad season. And to be honest again, we've got to see we've got to see if these guys can play. So I'd like to see more of Raspadori as well. He didn't see the pitch, but he played against Argentina. He looked okay, but want to see a bit more. So that was a 1-1 draw with Germany. Some of the other games before we go this morning Portugal 4 Switzerland 0. Just battered them in the end. Um, you know, the usual suspects. Ronaldo scored a double. Carvalho, Cancelo. I was really glad to see Rafael Leal started the other game the other day against Spain. I was like, oh, my boy, finally. Uh, but he got benched this morning, which was quite sad. Uh, Spain 2, Czech Republic 2 as well. So Spain had to come from behind and got, actually stole a point with literally the last kick of the game, Inigo Martinez scoring a header inside second half stoppage time. Uh, what else we got here? Greece has won two games in a row, Lockie. And I can hear, like, there's a bit of a rumbling, especially in our group chat from a certain someone we know, a former FNR alum, Athos Syrianos, is up and about because the Greeks have won two games by a score of one goal to nil, which uh, I am part Greek, but it still concerns me because no, I no can't. Comment. I, no I don't want to have the Greeks having once over, not saying the bad way, but I don't have Greece to have something over us. Uh, in that sense, Norway 2, Sweden 1 as well this morning. That was just, I always like keeping an eye on Norway because I really want to see them at the um, at the World Cup or at the Euros because, you know, they've got so many 
good players like Haaland and Olga and those sort of boys out there. So that was the other one. But this week, in terms of games to look out for, if you want to you know, get up early alongside the Socceroos on Wednesday as well, as a lot of tasty fixtures. So tomorrow morning, Croatia-France at 4.45am. World Cup final rematch coming from, I think that's in Zagreb. No, it's in Split. Apologies. Ooh, but just split, angered a lot of people there. Split a beautiful part of the world anyway. So make sure you tune in for that one. Wednesday morning, well... 45 minutes after UAE Australia starts, you've got Italy, Hungary, and Germany, England as well going concurrently. Thursday morning, Wales, Netherlands, so they're back in action. Scotland, Armenia, make sure you're glued to the tube no, for that one. Um, they're done now. They're washed. <laughs> Belgium, Poland, and Ireland, Ukraine. And then on Friday, we've got Switzerland, Spain in terms of the big ones. Saturday, Austria, France, Denmark, Croatia. But Sunday, talking about rematches, Lockie, this is... The rematch, England versus Italy, with no fans in attendance because all the English fans got banned for what they did during the Euros final. There's plenty more uh, European Nations League games going all the way through until the 15th of June, so make sure you head over to Optus, tune in, watch them. They're going to be great. So, Lockie, it's time for us to say goodbye on the Euro show for the final time uh, in this 2021-22 season. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a great season for me personally, Lockie. I know. I've had a lot of fun. It has been a just an average season for me. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, no, Hearts had a pretty good year. Yeah. Playing Le- Conference League well. next year. Yeah. No, I, well, we might be playing Europa League. Well, I still might play Europa Got League. Got to play off, Nick. Don't yeah, sign know, us know, to the I green know. and black competition just, just yet. Well, it's still a banging we'll league with a bang No, answer. it's true. It's true. But um, yeah, not, not quite as good as yours. But it has still been a pleasure. I've enjoyed... Uh, Enjoyed being on. It has, I can't help but notice my entrance into the show coincided with Hearts losing the Scottish Cup final and Scot- Scotland missing out on World Cup qualification. But hey, uh, I'm not saying those two things are, are linked. Yeah. I'm also not not saying that, but whatever. Yeah. Well, Lockie, it is time for us to say goodbye on the Euro show this year. And uh, now the end is near. I'm going to put them on now. And so I face. It is us saying goodbye. It's been a year of ups and downs, Lockie. Especially, you know, we've had some fun moments, moments that have become memes, especially in wake of Italy getting knocked out by Macedonia, World Cup qualification. We also had Milan winning the league. You win some, you lose some in life, and nothing says it better than that. Well, Lockie, we'll be back next Monday with a new show. Make yes. sure you stay tuned to the socials tomorrow as well. Much Make sure you tune into FNR. This. We've got the pa- Paco Radio making a return tomorrow. Two special guests. Oz Football as well. Before, as well. That. before that. Yeah. And then as well, State of Our Football Nation. No, actually no State of Our no. Football Nation. No. No. Wow. We will have a live coverage, three-hour live coverage of something George Tanikian will be doing this week on Friday. Uh, Unite for the beautiful game, a, a talk show, a three-hour talk show featuring... George, Mike Tomolaris, um, a bunch of other guests talking about the, the state of the game here in Australian football. So no state of our football nation, but you will get a good chat about the state of the Australian game uh, live streamed or available via the FNR app, in fact. Uh, yeah, wherever wherever you like it. I think it starts at 6 p.m. on Friday night. Unite for the beautiful game. Well, Lockie, we'll be back next Monday. We're, like the, we're emerging from our cocoon. And now we've got the new big thing starting next Monday. So for myself, Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan, good boy. <laughs>